everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 106, your weekly Magic the Gathering podcast covering everything uh, Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, mtggoldfish.com, and more recently, YouTube. So hello to YouTube. Uh, joining me, as always, uh, are my co-hosts, uh, Richard, the owner of mtggoldfish.com. Hello, Richard. How are you? Hey, guys. What's going on? It's going well. A lot to talk about. Seth, probably be- probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator for MTG. Uh, how's it going, Seth? Good. How's it going, guys? It's going well. And Chaz, as always, uh, I cover the financial aspect of the game as well as just everything Magic the Gathering related. On the docket for this episode, we are going to talk about the recent uh, Star City Games Richmond results, uh, second week of... Aether Revolts in standard post banning. So we're just going to dive into that. Our thoughts on that. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Pro Tour. I think that's on everyone's mind. So we're going to kind of get into a little bit of theory crafting, what may happen, what we're expecting, um, make some predictions. Uh, so, and then we are going to discuss an article about digital card games, their income. Now, uh, there's obviously some debate as to the validity of you know some of these numbers, but we're still going to talk about it in a more meta sense and kind of you know downplay the specific numbers because you know they could be off a little bit. But I, I think it generates great discussion. Then we're going to wrap things up with some fish mail. So great questions from the fish mail. Can't wait to uh, get to them. So let's just dive right in. What did you think about? the SEG Richmond Open. Richard? Uh, to be expected. So, I don't know. The top eight was Jeskai Sahili or Four Color Sahili and Black Green Ducks, which is kind of what we saw coming out of week one, and everyone is holding their cards tight, so you're not going to see any Pro Tour techs. So this is, this is to be expected, and a lot of people are starting to panic, slightly too early to panic. The Pro Tour is when we'll see things uh, really shake up, but... No one wants to play their sweet new brew or deck or anything right now. They just want to kind of play the tried and tested, kind of grind out these events, and then, you know, kind of limp into the Pro Tour and then show all their cards. So I think it's it looks alarming, but I think we're okay. We got we to gotta wait for the Pro Tour before we uh, start screaming. Seth, what did you think? Oh, well, I mean, I agree with Richard. You got to take the first couple weeks of results before the Pro Tour with kind of a grain of salt because it really is a Pro Tour that determines what the format's going to look like. Uh, I'm a little nervous, though, I will say. I mean, I have really mixed feelings. On one hand, I'm really excited because I think that we will see a shakeup and there's a lot of powerful stuff from E3 Volt that just hasn't really shown up yet. Inspiring Statuary has potential to do some crazy things. Paradox Engine, there's all these potentially powerful combo cards that people just haven't really been motivated to brew with, or if they have brewed with them, they're not motivated to show it off because they don't want to spoil their Pro Tour deck. On the other hand, I'm very afraid that the pros will try all of these things and then realize that Splinter Twin is in the format and just try to build the best Splinter Twin deck. And we're going to have 30 or 40% of the Pro Tour metagame just be just be Sahili Rye combo decks, uh, because that seems like something that could really happen. Like maybe the pros will focus on building the best possible copycat deck rather than breaking the format with some crazy rogue brew. I think it goes back to your article again. We talked about this last week. Obviously, things could could change, and and we could still come out of this, you know, good, and we can have a healthy meta game and all that. And I'm remaining hopeful 
and we do usually see some some shakeups at the at the pro tour. The the two concerns I have is exactly what you stated, Seth. The, the one thing is is <laughs> could all the pros explore all this, and then it just turns out that we get an even better <laughs> like streamlined Sahili twin list and black green list. Like that is one concern, you know, with a little bit of other stuff splash in between, and then it begs the question: we're just pretty much right back to where we started, you know. Post, you know, pre-banning, just without Emrakul and Smuggler's Copter. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, I, I look at a deck like Sahili Twin and and Black Green, the the Black Green, to- you know, mid-range list, I guess we'll call them. And I don't know, it just looks like these are like fundamentally good decks that can't. And to me, it just it's not like they're suddenly going to be obsolete. So I guess we have to we just have to hope that there's a few decks that. Maybe we get to like three or four lists that are all viable, and then we get kind of this, back to this uh, rock, paper, scissors kind of thing where we can kind of choose a, a couple of different archetypes and not just the two top archetypes because, I don't know, it's just a little alarming that there is just not a good enough streamlined linear aggro deck again. Like It, it, just, it just blows my mind that there's not good enough cards for this. When it goes back to like very similarly to the Splinter Twin days, where you have it's going to fragment to Splinter Twin decks and decks that try to beat Splinter Twin, but the decks that try to beat Splinter Twin aren't good at beating each other. So then everyone just graduate, you know, kind of fluctuates back to the Sahili deck. I'm trying to remain hopeful, and I get it's only the first two weeks, but that's just the concerns that I have. I don't know. In my gut, I don't think it's going to be that doom and gloom. I think. At worst, it'll be kind of the Emrakul dominance. Like, it it stifles the fun, but it's not like everyone was playing Emrakul. I think even if Sahili is a deck, I, I think there'll be enough other decks. But it just might be an unfun environment. Like, maybe if you bring your brew, and your brew's gonna lose. But if you, if you get to play 10 turns of Magic Interact, at least you had some fun. Whereas if you bring your brew out, and then on turn 4, they just kill you. Then you just didn't accomplish anything. So I think that is more of the fear uh, for me. Like, it could be a strong deck, but if it's a strong deck and it's miserable to play against, then nah. But I think we're still early. I think I, I, I'm yeah, going mean, to I'm gonna see what the doom, pros come right. up here. I, I will also say, I think that the if we see results that look like this tournament coming out of the Pro Tour and at the GP or two after the Pro Tour with maybe half or slightly more of the top eight or the best performing decks having the Felidar Guardian Sahili Rai combo, I 100% fully expect that at that new like post Pro Tour ban update that they will ban Felidar Guardian. I don't think they're going to wait and give it a, give it more time or anything like that. I really think they're going to get rid of it as soon as possible, if that's what ends up happening. I'm not convinced that will happen, but if it does, I think that's what'll happen. Yeah, and it, and it goes back right, it goes right back, it's just as per- pertinent as ever, the article from Sam Stoddard saying that the copycat deck, they're already looking at it closely, they do think that there's enough stuff to combat it, Like, and they, they quoted Jeskai Ascendancy, so I, I mean, I guess, but... Um. I'm, I think they would pull the trigger, Seth. I think you're absolutely right. I don't think they would wait. I think it would it would look bad. But again, this banning kind of looked bad. And look what came out of it, that there was some 
some optimism there that, oh, this is all fresh. Like, there's no more Emrakul. There's some of these cool decks. And if it just ends up being that the Jeskai Sahili list is just that much better because the pros are finding this really streamlined, really tight list that is 100% efficient, I, I think all bets are off that they have to kind of get rid of that too. And Wizards, again, confirm the fact that they their design philosophy is not where it needed to be. They did they they kind of admitted that they didn't print enough of these answers that you have always kind of lauded uh you know said that they've never had these answers in standard. Like where's the re- relic of progenitors? Where is this and that and the other thing? But they're so far ahead that it could be just a little rocky right now. And I, I think having two back to back bands while it kind of looks bad is it might exactly be what we need. I'm I'm kind of so if you asked me like two or three years ago, wizards could do no wrong. Like no matter what happened, like trust in their R and D. But now, now they've shown that they're human. Now they've shown that they've made mistakes. Or you know, the very fact that we're talking about this is not good. Like yeah, maybe Sahili's not a thing, but why did it look like a thing for so long? And why is everyone scared? You know, if you talk to new players joining FNM. Uh, would they be dissuaded from joining? Do they think, oh, well, you're just going to turn for Sahili me? And would you be like, oh, no, but wait, you got to wait for the Pro Tour and uh, they'll come up with some deck to beat it and don't worry. You know, like, it's it's just a weird conversation to have. So I think a second banning would really, would really rock the boat. And I think you're right, they have to do it. There's no way if Sahili is prominent, they can't just keep it around. But I think we're in the era of Wizards may not know what they're doing. And they kind of just throw cards in the wild and hope there's nothing terribly broken. And <laughs> I, like, that's, I think that's where we're at at this point. Well, I, I'm not going that far because, again, if you look at this as an isolated incident, they've, they've been pretty good. I mean, even if you... Haven't they you're, collected you're exactly company, right. Emrakul? Well, I, I, I really like devotion that- decks. I really think it all comes back to the answers, and I I love the irony of the situation. So what it looks like from my perspective is Wizards probably got some data from some survey they did that found out that new players don't like their stuff getting killed, especially. They they just want to, like, slam big Timmy creatures and beat down, and they're happy with that. So Wizards, uh, in an effort to keep new players coming into the game, really toned down the answers to the extreme and they went so far that their lack of answers is now actually turning new players off to the game like ironically trying to bring new players into the game they actually did the opposite and are making is making standard like unplayably bad for new players because they they just don't have a way to answer these combos and stuff and i really think that it will get fixed but i also think we're gonna have to wait like a year or two to see uh, wizards admitting that They've made this mistake, but it's going to take a couple years for it to actually get into the sets because they work so far ahead as far as designing and printing the sets. Yeah, well, too much of a good thing could be a bad thing, obviously, right? <laughs> like, you tried to create so much, like, this environment for new players that you created a problem that, you know, you never had before that where are the answers to anything? Like, you're printing these incredibly powerful creatures and these incredibly powerful interactions or or abilities and there's no way to counteract that like i get that people don't like for, to lose and they don't like their stuff being broken up and and destroyed and all that but that's the game right like that's what you need i'm not going so far as to say they don't know what they're doing because i i, I do they are the 
best at this kind of stuff. Like they've been doing this successfully for a long time. And yes, there's kind of little blips along the way. But again, if you take it overall, that they generally do create good environments, especially to, you know, good play environments for magic. But the good thing here is that they are admitting their mistakes and not just blindly trying to move along and not trying to fix the problem. I think that's the positive thing that we could come out of this. And unfortunately, it, it looks, you know, what that looks like is they have to ban cards. But if that creates, again, a good environment for people to play and for people to come back and they're trying to give out all these incentives to play FNM and all that stuff, then they will come back. But, you know, you, you do have to admit the mistake when you make it. So yeah. let me... Oh, go ahead, Richard. I was going to say, tinfoil hat theory, they wanted us to experience combo so that uh, we get eased into the older formats, modern legacy vintage, you know, where combos are, are pretty commonplace. So maybe this is Wizard's way of exposing people to different play styles because we've been pining for combo for a long time. And then the minute it shows up, we're like, oh my God, it's too oppressive. But, you know, maybe it's okay. Maybe... It'll be part of the game, but not too dominant. And then people get interested. Like, look, you can win without bashing creatures. You can win without slinging burn spells. And then I'll get them to explore some of our older formats. I like that idea, but also, like, in older formats, you also get, like, force of will and stuff. So you don't just die to your opponent's combo every time. So I I think that if that's what they're doing, I like the plan. But I also think you still need slightly better answers to make that plan work. Or you're going to, again, have the opposite effect and just turn people off to the whole idea of combo when they feel hopeless on turn four, five out of ten matches at FNM when they can't stop the combo. Yeah, I, and I want Sahili Twin to exist. Like, I, I wouldn't want the banning. I'm just saying that it would need to if it's completely oppressive and, you know, the pros just make this list that, I mean, why even play anything else? I don't know how they're so confident that there's there's all these answers when they turn around and said there's not answers. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how they, they kind of think that it's going to play out. But I would hope that Sahili can still exist. We have a deck like Black Green, which I think is not going anywhere, despite what you know people think that you know Pro Tour is going to magically like change this whole thing. Black Green, you said it best, Richard, before we started recording, is that it's like the Jund, right? It's just a good deck. I want to be able to have a combo deck like Sahili, a Black Green list that it's the mid range. You have the control deck, which may maybe this blue black list, maybe something comes out of that, the one that Jim Davis was playing or whatever. And then we have a linear aggressive list. I mean, that's the ideal, you know, standard. And it has happened before. I mean, there, I mean, we go back to, I don't know, maybe it's a long time ago for people, but there were times where you had those four archetypes. You had the aggressive list, you have the control decks, you have the combo decks, and you have the mid-range list. So that's ideally what would I would like to happen. Maybe the Healy twin can still exist. Maybe you're looking at it wrong. Maybe you can never get this perfection of, you know, kind of all the types playing rock, paper, scissors. And maybe Wizards is kind of just making blocks for player types. Uh, like when I look at Ether Revolt, so many combo pieces, so many cards that can combo, so many weird abilities that you can fit some combo in. So that's more of a, I guess, a Johnny experience. Maybe we've been coming out of the Timmy experience of smashing Siege Rhinos and Mantis Riders into each other. And maybe for that was the spike period with Fetchlands and Sphinx's Revelation and stuff like that. So maybe maybe they're doing it like that. Uh, but I agree that in the ideal case, it's Rock, Paper, Scissors. But I'm going to say 
the standards where rock, paper, scissors properly existed are far and few between. They're the exception rather than the normal that you get a a well-balanced standard like that. So question for you. I've had this debate with some people on Twitter. Let's say it does get to the point where they feel like they need to ban the combo. Do they ban Felidar Guardian or Sahili Rai? Sahili. Guardian. I I was in the Guardian camp because I didn't think they'd want to ban a Planeswalker and a Mythic and rather an expensive card and they'd rather ban the Uncommon, but other people have been debating the other side. So I think it's, it's an interesting conversation. It's a Planeswalker. It's the face of Kaladesh. It did Sorry. pretty much nothing before <laughs> before the the Guardian came. But you can't leave the Catalyst in standard. What, like, what you- Felidar Guardian goes from a combo piece to just a terrible four drop. Yeah. So you what's know, wrong with but what does Sahili do? Absolutely nothing without but the Guardian. As soon as right? you print a but it, like you get rid of Guardian and then let's just say an Amonkhet or whatever, there's another Felidar Guardian type card. Well, just don't so print something of, without the flicker wisp end of turn uh, clause, right? But they're already printed. They're already it's already locked in. I, so I will instead I will, of getting rid of the Deceiver XR, get rid of the Splinter Twin. I will say that this is the first time in the history of Magic's, what, 20x years that they've printed a blink spell that let this happen. Like, they intentionally, on Restoration Angel, put the non-angel clause specifically so you couldn't do this. And uh I don't know why they decided to take it off now, because they obviously knew when they printed Restoration Angel that they didn't want people comboing off like that. So I'm I'm kind of surprised they did it. So I'm not especially worried that they'll just do it again, because... This is the first time it's ever happened. It was definitely intended. It was definitely I think intended. it was intended just... to push Sahili. Sahili's the no. face planeswalker, oh, yeah. the face of Kaladesh. It's just all around good for wizards to get Sahili in the spotlight. So I doubt they would just ban that. When you can just ban the Guardian and achieve the same effect. Like they're no, not gonna print so another Guardian. That would be ridiculous. How, how about if we're going tinfoil hat today, what are the chances that this is all just part of the grand scheme. And Wizards knew all along that they were going to implement the second band window. They knew that this combo would potentially be really busted and they wanted to generate hype and make the healing matter. And they pretty much knew the entire time that four weeks or whatever it is after this pro tour, they're just going to have to ban it. Not, but it's not in a bad way. Like it's not a bad conspiracy. And I, I actually might agree with you, but it, it's, it, you got to look at it from this sense is that, it's all part of the big plan because the big plan was messed up. <laughs> you know, it's like they're too far, two years into the future and they're like, oh, bleep. Like, we got to go back and, you know, we messed this all up <laughs> kind of thing. Like, it's, it's all part of the grand plan is because the grand plan was messed up from the first place. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that they'd do that. I think they thought it would be good, but not the best. Uh, I mean, listen. Let's like, right go back the, to the Eldrazi. Right after- do you think they did yeah, that on purpose ahead. with Eye of Ugin and... Eldrazi yes. Temple and Thought Not Seers. I don't think they did that on purpose to that extent. They knew it was well, good. they don't test modern. They, so they say. They, <laughs> I think they knew there was a modern pro tour when Oath was coming out, and they were worried that being a modern pro tour, they wouldn't have the publicity to like sell the newest set. So they intentionally, whether or not they thought it was going to be banned and so forth, I don't know. But I think they pushed Eldrazi into modern very intentionally with the goal that they would show up at the pro tour and help sell and promote both of the gatewatch. I think the goal was it was to, good enough to break into the format, but not utterly dominate it. Similar to the Sahili goal of good enough right. that it's useful, but not so much that it kills your metagame and forces you to emergency ban. 
Because I don't think in any kit scenario they want an emergency ban. It just looks bad. You know, cards they designed are now wasted. And just like all around not cool, right? I mean, if you go back to that interview with, uh, I think it was Aaron, right? And they were talking about, he was just kind of like shaking his head like, like, yeah, we're going to have to, you know, do something about this. (laughs) You know, like he didn't look... It very enthused that they have to turn around and say, yeah, by the way, we, we messed up and we need an emergency ban. So it's the exact same. I get the exact same feeling I get from Sam Stoddard in that article where, the, come on, you already knew the deck was called copycat. And like you knew like, oh, there's all these answers. We didn't we think that it could be combated like we, you know, we're already I- looking at it, guys. I think you're right in the sense that they do want to avoid bannings because there's a lot of feel bads. And I think that bannings are a net negative for wizards in the, in the long run. And I think they know that. So I don't think they're intentionally trying to print stuff so good that it gets banned, but with them pushing story cards, which is something they're, they're fairly upfront about. They want the face cards of sets to be playable cards. And with them intentionally like pushing cards that direction, if you're going to, try to make sure that certain cards are constructed playable and that's the line you're shooting for is constructed staple you don't have much wiggle room if you're a little bit too good you're going to end up in this situation so i think that that's that's the change that we've been seeing in the past they just like stayed away from the line pretty uh ever since i don't know like the jace time they just stayed away from the line where even if they missed on the too powerful side you just ended up with a really good card not something that was messing up the format now they're shooting for really really good cards and if you make it slightly better than you think you're in this danger zone so that's what i kind of see is happening but i don't think they're intentionally shooting for bannings when they make a card it's interesting. You know, I got to tell you, we have these conversations and we've done the podcast a long time. <laughs> it's so weird, like how this dialogue can shift between, and maybe this is just the, the divide between a paper game and a, a digital game, because it's, it's so funny. Like, you know, I played Hearthstone a little bit and then I played Magic all my life. Obviously, I haven't played Hearthstone as much, but. When cards on Hearthstone are messed up and, you know, breaking the format and degenerate, like, people are happy that they're gone. Like, once they get changed, like, they're happy they're gone. And then we're sitting here talking about, like, oh, you know, they don't want to ban this, this, that, the other thing. Like, please don't play. It's almost like a – it's so – it's two completely different reactions in two different games. On one end, they're they're happy they're gone. On the other end, they're – we we want to avoid bans as much as possible. Well, that's because we're more than just players. As a player, I'm sure we're all happy for Copycat to go if it actually is dominant. But you're also a collector. You know, your Sahili's kind of just went to zero. Uh, we're you know we're also fans of Wizards. It it's kind of lame that their face card and their main character somehow gets banned. You know, like Emrakul gets banned. Like Eldritch Moon's kind of lame now. It's weird. So I think because there, we have more things, and a lot of the times it's just the financial part of it, right? Like, do you want to buy $100 of Sahili's if you think they're going to get banned next week? Right now, maybe instead of the Pro Tour buyout, you have the Pro Tour sell-off. You're like, oh my god, Sahili's too good. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get rid of her right now. She's going to get banned in a couple weeks, right? Like, you don't, you don't deal with that with Hearthstone, especially since they give you the refund. And... You know, right. your cards still exist. They just get errated. 
right? So, you know, no one's complaining that your Lord of Atlantis looks slightly different than what the Oracle text says on Gatherer. <laughs> but that's kind of I, like the Hearthstone equivalent of it. I mean, and in some sense, it's got to be way easier to make cards in Hearthstone because you know you can always change them later. Like when you're printing physical paper cards that are going out into people's collections, you don't have that button. You can't just like hop on your computer and click a couple things and downgrade something's power from four, four to two, two, or to add a couple mana to its mana cause. Right. When in Hearthstone, you, so you don't have to get it right the first time in Hearthstone necessarily. When in magic, you do because it's a paper game. And I guarantee yeah, you the Hearthstone data is much better that they, they know exactly what's going on in every single game and they can pull that data out and analyze it. Whereas 99.9% sure Moto cannot, it cannot be done. <laughs> right. And a lot of people don't even play Moto. So you're also losing that, but their data is not as good. And that, you know, it, even if you had to errata Sahili or Fell your Garden, like how would you do it in a, a, a good way? So I don't think All the I data is there. All I can say is I don't, I don't know where they pull it from because I think there's just a little lack of transparency on that part. I used to get these surveys whenever I go on to you know, the, the website, so I was just assuming that's what they were talking about. But I've, I haven't got one of those in like forever, so I don't even know how they're pulling any of this stuff. So Yeah, I don't, I don't trust Wizards I guess Wizards that, it would help to know. What? I don't trust Wizards data. If, <laughs> if, if they're using the same data that tells them that 50% of their player base is female, then... <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know about this data that they're pulling to tell me the metagame yeah. is healthy or not healthy. <laughs> I, I mean, we don't even know the exact player base, like size. So I mean, yeah, I I will go further and say I'm not 100 percent convinced that Wizards really has much data. I I get the sense that. There's a lot of, uh, we've been doing this for a long time successfully, and we go with our gut type of thing, like yep. some grizzled old detective on, that's been on the force for 40 <laughs> years and doesn't want right. to deal with this DNA or any of this newfangled technology. Uh, so I kind of get that attitude from wizards sometimes, and I they just uh, do it that way. I 100% agree with you. Uh, in, yeah. It's in our next topic, but uh, everyone subscribes to these big data services that just cost a couple thousand dollars, uh, but wizards. <laughs> Everyone does it, but wizards. <laughs> and it's just a couple yeah, thousand so, dollars on a multi-million dollar <laughs> industry. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, it might have to be, might have to get worse before it gets better. Only because they all they they confirmed all this already. Like they confirmed the fact that you know their data was wrong. That you know they made this poll and then they had to like you know you know step back on that and say, well, you know, it actually wasn't as good as we thought, even though we said that it was much better. They said that they're already looking at this deck copycat. Like, I don't, you know, obviously they knew the name already, so they must have known this stuff is, was in play. And it, it just, their design philosophy is obviously has gone, you know, I, I think it's overall successful. And, but, you know, in this kind of time that they go back and it's like, listen, we, we made mistakes, but the problem is that, we're like two years or a year or whatever ahead, and we got to just kind of patch things up until we get to the point where we're printing Seth his Relic of Progenitus, you know? So I, just errata Sahili into a Relic of Progenitus. <laughs> <laughs> Plus one Relic. <laughs> Minus one Relic. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But. Yeah, I, I'm I'm remaining hopeful. I just I don't know. I I think they, these decks are strong enough that they're not just going to disappear. So 
the the hope is that we see like two or maybe three or even one, you know, other archetype that's strong enough to kind of you know complete the Triforce here. I I'm not worried about them disappearing. Uh, I'm worried about the other thing. I, if I have a fear, it's that these decks will be too good and push other stuff out of the format. So mm. so I I have it from the other perspective because I really think until unless there if there is a banning, uh, I think that's the only way the copycat combo really goes away. Like it's hard to imagine that just getting bad. Right. And the green black deck has. Just ridiculous starts. Windy Constrictor into uh, some of the three drops and Verderous Gear Hulk. It just, that deck is really insane. You can easily have eight power on turn three and then just win the game on like turn five with the Verderous Gear Hulk. So I think that those decks are strong enough that they will be playable. So unless you're concerned about a banning, then I think you're pretty safe if you invest in one of those decks for your standard deck for the next year or whatever. My 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 suggestion would be black green because they're not going to ban anything out of that. That's just a wholesomely good deck, just like blue white flash. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what what are our pro tour predictions and hopes? What what, what do you what do you have, Seth? Uh, all right. Uh, two predictions. One is someone figures out a crazy combo deck. We've seen some of these things before. I mentioned the beginning of the cast. Uh, I've been messing around a little with Inspired Statuary. That card has potential to be really busted. Uh, Paradox Engine is the same way. Maybe the Expertise Cycle. So I think I'm hopeful that at least one of the teams figures out a really powerful crazy combo deck that isn't the copycat combo. Uh, prediction 2 is... The copycat deck is the most played deck, and when we come out of the weekend, we are talking about how this deck will probably be banned. I think it might not be a combo deck, but I think we will see a very good improvised deck, like straight up. It'll look like a draft deck, and I know like cause it harkens back to what Richard was like talking about with Eldrazi, that some of these decks look like draft decks because Eldrazi Sky Spawn and all that. But I do think we will see a successful take on Improvise, and it will do some really awesome stuff. Um, I do like the Inspiring Statuary thing, uh, Seth. I don't know if that like enables some crazy combo or just enables Improvise to be that much better to like, power out something great. Um, and I, I just really hope we just see a very good, like just a really good aggro list. I mean, I just it, it's crazy to me that... You know, red is basically non-existent. We don't even, like, vehicles doesn't even look that great. So hopefully the pros can get together and say, you know what? This turn one through four, like, we're playing some aggressive creatures and getting there, and it's good <laughs> enough. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, please, just, like, can we print a Hellrider again? Like, I just miss, like, just going under some of this stuff. Like, where did that go? Where's my, you know... Goblin Guide, or even just give me like Zergo Bell Smashers. Just give me something. Like, give me, give me some aggressive cards. I mean, the green black aggro list is pretty aggro. You could, uh, you can argue yeah, that Murderous but... Gear Hulk is kind of a Hell Rider when you just spread the counters around. It's a damage for each creature you control. Stomp, Stompy uh, is not the same as no. Red Deck wins, man. <laughs> no. For it's my predictions, same. I was looking at the cards and. Nothing seems good. Nothing seems like it pops out. All the combos seem jankier than Copycat. So my prediction is boring that Copycat will be the deck and the pros will tune it. And like Seth said, we'll be talking about bannings on the following Monday. 
my hope is an aggressive deck. Uh, similar to Chaz, uh, Kari Zev's expertise, the threaten where you can play a card, that's gotta be good, right? Like, if, if there's an aggro deck, this should be part of it. The problem is you have nothing to steal against copycat. <laughs> you steal a 1-4 Felonier Guardian. <laughs> but at least you, you can can't. steal like a Gear Hulk or something. You know, against other decks, this thing will become crazy. But uh, I've just talked myself out of it. This card's bad. But <laughs> <laughs> I hope to see an aggressive red deck where they're like, cool, I'll just smash you, take your stuff, cast some spells and go. To to be fair, if they do somehow keep this weird four color list, I I doubt it. But there are some good stuff to take in that list. Like that is more of like a traditional. I'm playing actually some stuff, and then you know there's a combo in there somewhere. But I mean, I don't know. You, you take their what their uh, servant of the conduit. Like uh, <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. But the problem is, is like. I love Kari Zev's expertise, but where's the haste creature that you drop? Like, you take their stuff and then you play, let's just say a Kari Zev or whatever. Like, you and then it just their sits face. there. Boom. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're uh, right. There's no. We need Ash Zealot. Where's the man. haste creature? Ash Zealot. Ash Zealot. Give me, give me something. Give me Ash Zealot. Give me Hell Rider. Uh, Noble or what was it? Noble? No, not Noble Hierarch. What was the red one drop in in a strad? Ah, I can't remember. Stromkirk Strom Noble? Kirk Noble. Yeah, Stromkirk Noble. Give me actually just reprint all those cards. Give me that deck and I we will complete the you could keep Sahili Twin. I'll just you're playing and we'll just I'll just race you. That's it. Ironically, in a set of vehicles, racing is not allowed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. All right. Uh so we kind of talked a little bit about this already, but do we want to briefly talk about this uh, super data uh, article that was released? That um, yep, I, I MTGO don't. is nowhere near Hearthstone. I don't want to talk about this because we've beaten the MTGO horse yeah, to death. Really but have. it's uh, kind of the biggest thing that's been happening this week outside of the Pro Tour. Uh, there is a super data report on the popularity of CCGs. And basically, the top five, Magic is fifth. Number one is Hearthstone at 400 million. Uh, Next is, let me see if I can find it, Shadowverse ranked number two at 100 million. And then you round it out with uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! WWE Supercard, and then Moto sitting at a Peasley 200 million. (laughs) Or sorry, 20 million. And a lot of people are questioning, so where did this data come from? Because Wizards doesn't actually publish this. Uh, in the Reddit thread, uh, a lot of people are doing kind of back-of-the-cuff calculations. You know, how many events fire every day on Mo- on Moto and how much would that generate? And I think the number they concluded was at least 100 million. Uh, but so there was a lot of controversy. You know, is is Magic really the fifth best digital online card game? And there's a lot of discussion. It's kind of re-sparked the how-to-make-Moto-better discussion. So did you guys take anything away from any of this? Do you agree with the data? Do you think the data is flawed? Do you agree with the discussion that's been going on? Uh, Are you selling well, your collection? <laughs> I, I don't believe the data on Magic Online. Uh, I, think that, I think that some of the data is probably correct. Not all the companies are as stingy with numbers as Wizards. Actually, Wizards is like 
notoriously stingy with giving anyone data on not just profits, but anything. They just hate. And that might go back to them not calculating all the data but that we talked about before, but I don't believe it. I've talked to so many people that worked in the magic online economy for a living, people that run big bots and do all this. And every single person I've talked to that's kind of in the know uh, about Magic Online in specific, thinks that Magic Online is at least in the $100 million range, like somewhere around there based on their personal experience, some information that's public and private conversations they've had with people. So so I think that the Magic data is severely understated. But of course, that doesn't change the fact that I, I do believe that Hearthstone is significantly ahead of Magic Online in terms of the amount of money it makes. And that's a whole nother conversation. But I would wager that Magic Online is somewhere around Shadowverse in that range as maybe tied for number two on this list rather than being uh, 20 million, which is just uh, it seems ridiculously low based on everything I've heard and know. So not to have this devolve into MTGO talk again, I- I'm going to frame my statement around the fact that you just take just take the numbers out of it. Because obviously they could be, you know, they, they could be disingenuous or not, you know, cor- fully correct. Because maybe even Hearthstone's even more than four hundred million. But again, <clears throat> and th- and we talked about this in the pre-recording, so I'm going to say it again here that MTGO, uh, whether it's doing twenty million or hundred million, doesn't change the fact that MTGO needs to be changed fundamentally from the ground up. That whether these other de- you know games, I, don't, I haven't even heard of some of these games of WWE. I don't even know. Uh, but you have to treat Hearthstone like a game first, and not try to emulate Magic. Like obviously, emulating Magic is is great, and you want it to remain being Magic. But this is a point that we brought up: is that Blizzard is successful at creating the hype and the layers around the game. So they're successful at that. They, they've found the formula. They, they know it works. You know, these ranked ladder systems, these, you know, kind of having people in these, even League of Legends to some extent, or I guess to the same extent, that they're like, they get, they get you and then they, they have you and you're running in like this rat wheel and you're constantly playing and you have to treat it like a game first and make sure all the layers around the game are working and have basically the game. And I know this sounds weird, be secondary. So we have to kind of treat magic like an online game rather than here's some like 1990s, like weird, you know, old, ugly looking, you know, program that's like magic, but it sucks. So So again, just take the numbers out of it. Yeah, I agree. So my biggest takeaway from this uh, just not even look at numbers, is that there are so many successful CCGs that look shady. I was looking at WWE Supercard, and I was like, what? What is this? But apparently it's big, right? Like, uh, $20 million is nothing to sniff at, and it's WWE Supercard, and I imagine the gameplay is terrible, and that, it, you know, there's nowhere close to any of these other games, but... I look at the screenshots and I'm like, hey, that's pretty sweet. I can play as wrestlers. <laughs> right? I look at Shadowverse. I've never even heard of Shadowverse. Uh, apparently, it's at 100 million. And I look at it, I'm like, yeah, that looks like a game I want to play. And uh, if you showed me a screenshot of Moto, then I'd be like, what What am I looking at? So it's, it's actually pretty interesting to me that there's a bunch of games, and Shadowverse especially, given that it's not built on IP, like 
WWE, I can understand there's a big wrestling fan base. Hearthstone, I can understand there's a big wizard, uh, Blizzard fan base. But like Shadowverse, pretty interesting. So it's just eye-opening that there's so many new CCGs. And it's kind of sad that Wizards is not leading the forefront here. I think we all agree that Magic has the best, you know, actual gameplay. The mechanics of the game are top-notch. Uh, but it's lagging here. And the one thing you notice is all of these games are available on mobile. You can play on your phone. You can play on your tablet. You can play on your Mac. But Modo is PC only. So I think that's that's kind of its uh, its nail in the coffin there. Uh, what's interesting is I was I just Googled uh, League of Legends revenue. Uh, first hit on Google was $624 million. So if you compare that to the $400 million of Hearthstone, uh, Hearthstone's getting up there. Uh, I guess we got to search uh, CSGO, but uh, Hearthstone is, is kind of one of the premier esports now, apparently, or at least it generates as much money as that. So I found that pretty interesting that Hearthstone is pretty big and getting up there uh, with kind of the the old guard of esports titles. Yeah, which tells me that Magic doesn't even need to get to the Hearthstones level, but there's there's a still a considerable gap in between, right? Like there's there's room to improve. And I'm gonna take out I know you were gonna probably bring this up, Seth, and uh but you know you brought up the there's there's one specific fact there also that's interesting is that people still want the tabletop experience, like go to your store, you know, interact with people and not just look at a computer screen, that a, a large percentage of people still want that. And that I actually brought that up as a reason that, you know, oh, people wouldn't play Legacy or something like that. Like people still like the fact that they can go to a store and play with their physical cards or even like go and just sit in front of each other with their tablets, right? So that's an interesting thing. And, and I think Magic can capitalize on some of that. So so while it doesn't – I don't think our in, – in all the episodes of this podcast, I don't think we ever – said it needed to be Hearthstone. Like, make it exactly like Hearthstone. Just get somewhere close or just capitalize on the fact that you have this clear gap and even just just gain some ground and it will be that much more successful and appeal to a lot more people. But again, it comes back to you have to scrap Moto and, again, build it as a game first and worry about you know, emulating magic second. I know that sounds weird, but it, I, I, you know, Richard and I had this conversation. If you take away all those layers, like the, the ladder system and, 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 you know, all this other stuff, like, you know, ga- gaining points and grinding to legendary and all this stuff, Hearthstone's a pretty simplistic game. Like it's really, it won't hold your attention that long. If you're looking at magic as, you know, fundamentally a game and Hearthstone fundamentally as a game, there's just, not as much you could do, obviously. It's more in depth. But it, again, Wizards or Blizzard rather is the master at creating this these layers around the, the core game. This actually reminds me of Blockbuster. You know, like in the early years of Magic Online, we all joked that it was terrible because they don't they don't want it to cannibalize their paper game. Right? If if Moto was Hearthstone, a lot of people would simply just not go to your local game store. Right, you would play at home online, and then you'd kind of leave the LGSs out to dry. So Magic kind of has that line to walk, and that's kind of like Blockbuster, right? Blockbuster had all of these physical stores. Uh, they didn't really shift into online streaming fast enough, and then Netflix got there, and then Blockbuster went out of business. And I feel like that's where Wizards is going with this. If they don't hop on this train 
and at least you know ride the the tailwinds of hearthstone like it's just gonna go away there is some appeal to playing with pieces of cardboard but i think the appeal of digital is much much greater and i think if we had a polished client a lot of people would play you know moto at least like they wouldn't go to fnm they'd probably go to like grand prix and pro tours but a lot of people just play moto and just not go to fnm because a lot of the times it's actually really hard to go to fnm like i drive an hour each way to go to fnm right and if i didn't run goldfish even if I, my job wasn't magic and if i had an awesome client to play with i would just stay home like why brave two hours of traffic just to play some paper magic so they're gonna have to cannibalize their paper game at some point i think and i don't think wizards is willing to do that which is why they're kind of being left in the dust but mm. I, I would think they would sacrifice their paper game before they sacrifice their online game right if moto that- accounts for 50 percent of their revenue uh, guess what? There's basically no cost with Moto. You don't have to pay distributors. You don't have to pay shipping. You don't have to pay printers. You don't have to do any of that, right? You just develop the code and go. So if Moto really was 50% of their revenue, it's way more profitable than their paper, their paper game. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good point. And it's important that we point out here that the, the numbers that they were talking about, whether they're true or not, that's a whole nother discussion, but that's for Magic Online only. We know the game of Magic as a whole is actually a lot closer to the Hearthstone range, somewhere $250, $300 million of revenue a year. So, so as a, if you look at the whole game and take Moto out of the equation, just look at it holistically, the conversation is a lot different there as far as which game is actually more popular. And I think you can do both, right? Is, I think you could, maybe improve magic online even rebuild magic online from the game up but not cannibalize your paper game especially and this is going to be unpopular opinion but i think a lot of the pricing that people complain about with magic online that's where you see the biggest impact of them not wanting to cannibalize the paper game Uh, the fact that you pay the same amount for a digital booster as you do for a paper booster uh, that's kind of how it's designed and set up because if you could buy a digital booster for 10 cents why would you pay four dollars for a paper booster Uh, so i think that the by keeping the price comparatively high you could still keep from cannibalizing the paper game when still making magic online much more hearthstone like or whatever much more updated as far as the client itself goes but the high price like kind of cannibalizes from the start like i cannot afford jund on moto and in paper so choose one right and the answer today is a lot of people just play paper because a moto while cheaper is still expensive but b you know the client leaves much to be desired so why don't you just go play in paper have a beer with your friends and do whatever so in that sense it is kind of cannibalizing today right like i think they can both co coexist i think you're on to something seth and I- but the thing is, is that you don't have to have it comparatively if Magic Online is its own entity. Like, you don't get any value out of your Hearthstone count. Like, you get all these cards, and if Hearthstone were to disappear, so goes all your Hearthstone stuff. With Magic, you can still continue to play the pick. That's why I think they can both coexist, because there's a good percentage of players that still like go- having a tangible collection. You know, you get to play EDH forever as long as you have the cards. And, and I get, like, you know, if they were to ever die, it's like it's dead or whatever. But is it really truly dead if at the end of the day you can invite your friends over or whatever, you're at a store or whatever, and you could play physical magic? 
you know, and I think there's still a good percentage of people that will do both. And then you have the decisions of, all right, there's there's something to build towards an MTGO. Do I want to grind endlessly on this MTGO client to try to get a spot at a pro tour or whatever? Do I go to a GP? Like, you know, you still have that divide. I don't know. You know, I don't know how it will all shake down, but I, I think you can have incentives on one end and incentives on the other end. And I really think that there's there's some really just simple basic stuff that Magic Online can do that would uh, greatly change the equation. Like Hearthstone makes way more money off mobile than they do off of PC gaming. Uh, and Magic Online doesn't even, not only do they not have a, a uh, mobile client at all, you can't even get it on half of the computers out there. You can't get it on Mac or anything like that. So, um <laughs> So I think that that's a huge thing. Like if Magic Online was somewhat prettier in mobile, that would probably double their profits instantly. Like if Hearthstone is making more money off mobile than off their uh, off their PC gaming. So that's a big one. And there's also a ton of untapped potential with using Magic Online, especially if it, it gets updated and it's stable enough to do this. But to have gp type tournaments you could run the tournament scene or at least part of the tournament scene on magic online and that would be a great way to bring new people in and make a ton of money because people would pay more i think for a gp experience so yeah there's all kinds of things like even getting rid of bots i know that's gonna suck for bot owners but basically all the profit bot owners are making wizards should be making uh kind of like the diablo 3 auction house uh, when it existed, like every transaction that happens, you take a cut of that. And so you can still have a secondary market. You can still actually have what we have today, but it goes through wizards and an official UI rather than trading with like random bots and adding people to your friends list <laughs> okay. and, you know, doing all kinds of weird shenanigans. Uh, in addition to being inconvenient, the money is going to these service providers, but wizards could have just took the money directly. Right, and they would like, make a killing yeah. off that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, and it's it, it's even again, it's so archaic. Like, how do you imagine again? And I laugh every time. It's like even when I was learning, like, okay, you get your MTGO and you go on and like go right to the you know bot whatever things and start like buying some things. It's like you don't even. It's so like diluted as soon as you log in. I. It's like, I, I, I don't know if that's a fair criticism of Magic Online. Cause I, because I've messed around with other games and I know I play Magic Online, so I'm used to it, but I literally couldn't figure out how to buy cards in a deck on Hex. On Hearthstone, I can't build a constructed deck because you have to play through these wings of the game to even get the cards you need for a constructed deck. So uh, personally, I like the Magic Online system where I can just click a button and buy a deck like sure it costs more money than some other games and i can't in dust my cards or whatever but i can just have a whole constructed deck in like two minutes and be playing so yeah, I, I like that I agree. aspect if you know what you're doing the magic online ecosystem is really good you on goldfish pro tour first place click on it buy now gets delivered to you boom away you go Pokemon, I still haven't built a deck because it is like the most (laughs) convoluted process known, (laughs) right? So, you know, as an ecosystem, we're pretty good. But if you just think about what Wizards built and what other people built, what would it even look like? How would you even, how do you even build a deck on Moto without a bot? 
like literally, you gotta that. buy packs and open them until you open the cards. Well, you that's need. what. Well, you that's get, what right? you're doing. Well, kind of half and half with Hearthstone. Well, Hearthstone, yeah. you can dust, right? Can, Hearthstone, can craft, there's right? a known yeah, rate, craft, right? and you can craft. So you know, Magic without its supporting cast is pretty bad, but with the supporting right. cast, it's actually probably the best in terms of getting new decks. Uh, finding decks and stuff like that right we have a really good community and we have a lot of good tools to help us you know i look at pokemon i'm like what is going on i I can't even tell how much a deck costs period let alone like buying a deck (laughs) or like you know getting a deck in the client and playing with it so right but i mean i think we can all all three of us can agree it can be at at least a little bit more streamlined because it does get I, i understand it is really good once you learn it but it's the fact that learning it and it's really convoluted yeah no tutorial nothing if you're a new player you don't I mean, know what's going it's on it's like what do i do like what is even a bot <laughs> i guess i guess i'm just i guess for me i'm just coming from the perspective of someone who never played other games but it always played magic online and having downloaded hacks uh played hearthstone recently some of these other games i get that exact same feeling in those games like endless frustration having to google like how the bleep do i get this one card in hearthstone that i need to build this deck that i found on some website uh having to tweet it like jeff hoogland on <laughs> on twitter like how do you actually get cards in hacks i don't understand this so i get that same frustration that probably new yeah. players on Magic Online get in these other games as well. Yeah, I, I do. It, with the exception of the wings, though, like that whole like weird thing, um, I would say that Hearthstone is probably the least convoluted way to like get going. Because at the very least, you could just go right into an arena and you're in. And like, I think that is at least like you could do that. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely true. That's, and I think it's coming from me as someone who's used to like looking at tournament lists and wanting to build like a tier list. It was very challenging. If you just wanted to like throw together your cards that you got from your whatever free packs you get in from an arena run you did, it would be pretty easy to build a deck that way or even dust some of your cards to get different cards. But. All right, so yeah, Moto Moto still needs improvement. Uh, I I feel this topic will be covered many many more times in the future. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I no longer want to talk about. Like, there's nothing to say. It's like, yeah, we all know well, it's kind of lagging and it needs to get better. And at the same time, we're all scared of Magic Digital next. <laughs> Is it going to be the apocalypse? Like, what's going to happen to my collection? And you know, are we losing instants? Like, what's going on? Are we losing phases? Yeah. I actually think well, phases apparently- need to go before instants. But well, apparently Blake uh, Rasmussen said that the state of MTGO, that article will be coming out this week. Uh, that's just going to uh, be like, what, what we released leagues and trophies. <laughs> Hooray for us. Yeah, it's yeah, been a right. good year. So, Next I, year will be even better. Again, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that it, it really entails, but at least that will happen. So we will have that. For next week i i fully expect knowing magic online and all those people that one day we'll just wake up and they're gonna be like hey guess what magic online is closing in like three months <laughs> <laughs> thanks for playing everyone yeah like, oh, i mean God. how do you not how does that not happen like you can't there's no way to like ease people into that i just want them to make a statement at some point no i think like, you, how do you, you basically start cutting redemption and you basically lower everyone's collection over time to basically nothing, and then you switch them. 
I, I think they're doing it. I think they're actually doing it. Like tinfoil so they hat. say nothing, slowly get people pissed off, and then really make <laughs> like like you'll be pissed if your ten thousand dollar collection disappears overnight. But <laughs> right. you know, in okay. three years, if it's only like a hundred bucks, like uh, you know, how yeah, how mad will you be at that point, right? <laughs> I, I sadly, I think you're right. It does feel like they're just trying to s- knock value off little by little incrementally to keep anyone from getting too outraged, or maybe half the people won't even notice what's happening. Uh, so, but we do see that with the changes in redemption and some of these things, the treasure chests, all those things seem designed to lower the prices of online cards. So it does seem like that's really happening. Yeah. On an end note, that that is why there's consumer confidence. There, there will be in a paper aspect like you have to realize that any of these you know digital space like any of these digital games you're you're always running the risk of you know investing so much into the and they're just gone you put too much faith in your pieces of paper Chaz. if no one plays magic tomorrow like aside from black lotus all of your pieces of paper (laughs) will be worth nothing (laughs) well they'll be worth nothing but you can't tell me that no one will ever play magic You'll never find a paper. Can sense. you find people to play Star Wars TCG or <laughs> I'm I don't sure know, Overpower? You, you know, all the defunct TCGs from I, the 90s. I think EDH or Commander or whatever you call it is good enough that people will always want to play that. Can, can you find people to play Tiny Leaders, Chaz? Mm, not near me, but I'm, I'm just sure saying, it like, exists. Stuff that's pretty recent. Like, once it's no longer popular, it becomes really hard to find. Sure. And if magic goes under, then you just print proxies. Who cares, right? <laughs> You're just playing yeah, with I your mean, friends. Uh, you just print proxies. There you go. Point, right? Right. Oh, well, that was depressing. Uh, Should we move on to fish <laughs> mail? <laughs> well, it'll be even more depressing for you two. I mean, I'm not even in like that space. This so is the problem with even... this is the problem with wizards in general. This is like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> A new set was just released. We're heading into the pro tour. Instead of being excited, instead of being whatever, it's all doom and gloom everywhere, right? Like, oh, Moto's terrible, Copycat's terrible. Like, they, they need to get some, like, positive PR. They need to give us some, uh, something. Because, like, why are we talking about all these negative things, you know, kind of on the eve of the Pro Tour? Like, I, I don't know why. It does but... suck. I, I, I really don't like doing it either. Maybe we just complain too much. Well... <laughs> Maybe, if anything, the, the the fish mail rounds it all out, so we, we always get uh, pretty positive. With the you. longer we do the podcast, the more jaded we get. The more Bono <laughs> updates pass, the more jaded we get, and then eventually we're just grumpy old men. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> you guys. I don't play that. that ugh. Maybe, maybe I never got into it in the first place. Start playing Moto and you can join us. <laughs> all right, <laughs> the the thing is, we're fans of Moto. Me and Seth, like, yeah, we're super fans of Moto. I know. Just imagine people that aren't you know, that don't know the glory of Moto. All they see is just the, the negative, right? <laughs> the good thing about I think the good thing that people like continuing to listen to us and we don't just complain to complain. Like we at least the very least we critique and offer solutions. So that at least we can hang our hat on. I like I don't think we ever complain to complain. <laughs> no, we don't. Come on. All right, let's move on to fish mail. Uh, if you have questions for us, tweet at MDG Goldfish with the hashtag MDG Fish Mail and uh, we'll try to answer your questions. Uh, here's my favorite question that I always have to de- disagree with Seth on. From <laughs> at true semicolon, is price a reason to keep Jace the Mind Sculptor banned? He would be so expensive if modern legal. Oh. Probably. 
No, 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 no. Because you just you just reprint it. You put in Modern Masters. You put it in some dual deck or something. Jace first, whatever, and and then the world is a happy place. So price isn't a reason. We can debate if Jace should be unbanned. That's a conversation, but I don't think price plays into it because you can lower the price. It will be another Tarmogoy. If you can reprint it fifty times, and it'll still be like a hundred bucks. Well, it's a hundred bucks now, and it's banned, or like seventy bucks. <laughs> well, there you go. See, there you go. It's barely played in like Legacy. Is it? Is it really barely played in like? It's kind of played. Let's in Legacy, not use but... reasoning when we talk about finance, like Bitter Blossom. Uh... <laughs> right. See. So. But yeah, uh... I they would just reprint Jace if they really wanted Jace in the format. They could reprint it. In fact, they want Jace in the format so they can reprint Jace and make lots of money. Like, what's a better headline card for Modern Masters than Jace the Mind Sculptor? That, that would be a good one. But apparently, he's too good. I believe he's too good. He'll never be unbanned. And if he is unbanned, then power creep's gotten so high, he won't be relevant. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> uh, next question from at Sinfoid. What are the chances of against the odds Seth learns to code? So we can have updates when Richard is away. Hey, now, you're lucky that I can put links in my articles, so uh, <laughs> learning to code is is probably not going to happen. That is truly against the odds. What did you guys, like, what what what, I, what, what needed to be coded while I was gone? Why can't I leave uh, no, for, like, two days? From, I don't think, I, I didn't see anything can, like, I think that, I think the Ether Revolt prices for Magic Online didn't pop up for, like, a few oh. days. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I fixed that. Don't worry. Maybe, yeah. Seth, you gotta learn how to code. <laughs> that's a very nonchalant against the odds learn to code. I mean, you know why? You I'll, I'll tell you the secrets of MTG Goldfish. AE is a special character on Moto, but it's not consistently that AE symbol. So a lot of times it's capital A, capital E. So we have oh, logic to wow. munge it back to normal text so you can read it. And unfortunately, Ether Revolt <laughs> starts with AE, so it kind of messed with that. Oh, that makes sense. So I blame Moto for their lack of consistency on how they treat <laughs> uh, the names of these cards with the funny symbol. But good news, going forward, they have removed all funny symbols from their cards. <laughs> Next question from at card MTG. Because of the diversity of good interactive cards in the format, would five color control be viable in modern? Blood Moon? I don't know. I- I mean, if you want to play five color control, I think you can. I think the the question is, uh, what do you really get? Say your Grixis control. What do you really get from splashing two additional colors that you don't already get in your Grixis control deck? Like, is there enough of a reason to do that? So I think you could build a competitive five color deck. I just don't know if the the reason is there because so many colors have good things. Like if in Grixis control, like, oh yeah, Path to Exile would be awesome, but you already get Fatal Push and Lightning Bolt. So is it really worth adding another color when you have options that are almost as good in the same color? Right. I think that's a good one. Like, do you really want to splash white in your Grixis list to get, or or some other control list to get, like, Esper Charm or something like that? You already have so many good choices. I think that's a really good answer to that one. Yeah, Blood Moon Pretty is good. a thing. Shocklands is a thing. Like, you just die from shocking yourself. <laughs> and yeah. There's no... I can't think of a deck that wants five colors. Like, the closest I can think of is, like, Unburial Rights decks. Like, four-color Unburial Rights decks. Or uh, some Bring to Light Skateship uh, decks, but out of these really fringe cases, like it's not worth it to add those extra colors because you lose consistency. And what do you really gain, right? Like, do you really want path when you have fatal push and lightning bolt? So I don't, I don't think it, it would be good, but I think you could definitely make a deck and it would be functional. Uh, but I think 
you know, besides scooping to Blood Moon, there's there's other bad things that happen. Uh, next question from at Run Thunder Snow. How come they didn't do a double-sided foil servo thopter token for either pre-release? So this was that is the, a good the question. The wolf was it the wolf human token from Innistrad? The uh, I think it was a human demon, wasn't hu- it? Human demon. <laughs> I have a, a bunch of these too. Avacyn's sword. Yeah, I think it was a human demon, but don't. I think yeah, I think it was that. It it does seem like a missed opportunity. Servo Thopter yeah. would have been a, a good possibility. So yeah, I, I have no idea why they one. didn't, but they definitely could have or should have. Well, it's hard to print double-sided cards, right? And they would just right. be for this because there's no double-sided <laughs> cards in the set either, right? And since Wizards only makes $20 million a year, they'd probably be broke if they did that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they probably would be. But they need more of that sweet, sweet magic online money so they can print <laughs> double-sided foil tokens. <laughs> oh my goodness. At Gabe WR, you bring three booster packs to play a Chaos Draft. None can be from the same block. What sets do you choose? Uh, Innistrad, New Phyrexia, and then like Homelands or something for the troll factor just to see my opponent's face when I beat them with Homelands cards. Give me... Apocalypse, Ravnica, and I don't know. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, uh, another <laughs> multicolor block, something like that. Um, I don't know. I, ju- I just want to say the, the correct choice is probably Alpha, Beta, Unlimited for the value <laughs> if you get to open three boosters. I was going to bring uh, Shadows, <laughs> uh, Battle for Zendikar, and uh, Kaladesh because I'm what? cheap and I'm going to bring the latest. I've never actually played a Chaos Draft ever. I actually well, never played Cube have, either. They really need Chaos Draft and Magic Online. I don't know why they don't have that. Is there actually like consensus good Chaos Draft formats or is the fun just getting random stuff? I think it's, I think the, it's the random the factor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've never played. I hope they do it on Moto. That would be cool. Uh, next, Hash Brown Monster. Why doesn't Watsi go back to using restricted lists instead of banning cards? Seems like a good middle ground. Uh, complexity, no. I think. Yeah. I think it's just like so much complexity for new players. It's complexity plus there, you have tutors. Tutors kind of ruins everything, right? Like you get four to eight tutors, and then you just pull out whatever broken card was uh, restricted, and away you go. I, I know it. I know it sounds like it's worse but way to ban stuff but banning is actually easier than walking into a tournament like nope you can only play one of those nope you can only play one of those and you can only play one of those like that is way too much for people to keep track of i hate that there's a reserve listen like in general all right next question from kylo meters if you could have a block modeled after any period in history what would it be in before dinosaurs uh maybe the 1960s could have lots of big beards and hippies and (laughs) civil unrest i think that would be interesting (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) i think they uh, i don't know actually i'd like to see roman stuff maybe maybe that's kind of too close to theros maybe there's not yeah or uh, maybe the renaissance the renaissance we haven't seen anything that's kind of an Innistrad, though, no? Is it? You got all these like aristocratic vampires and stuff. I guess that's that. true. 
I, yeah, I don't know what you'd do though. It would be like Kaladesh. It should be inventions or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. But there's a lot they of did. periods in human history. Yeah, they kind of did like one that I would say in Kamigawa. They had like samurais and all that. And... Alright, what if you go back to the beginning of time and just have like viruses and bacteria and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is like funny. an enchantment and you just, you just like stick on the existing things and take over. <laughs> And they just like evolve into. You start out with like a single celled like amoeba, and they <laughs> instead and the ability in the block is that things evolve into creatures. That's the level up mechanic. We can't use that one. Uh, <laughs> but that'd be that'd be weird. How about space? You think we'd ever go space? No, because so far a apparently a plane is just a planet. <laughs> like, can, can we actually go space? Can we go Star Wars? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna see a block with like rocket ships and. We already you know, got like those those like pod racers yeah, or guess, whatever and vehicles. I guess like Kaladesh is kind of like that. No, we have like the yeah. Heart of Kieran. We have like console flagship. Those are spaceships, kind of. See, so just get that ether up a little bit more and just go into space. <laughs> yeah, maybe. All right, next question from a big king three one eight. Trying to get into legacy, but I don't want to sell a kidney. Any recommendations for decks to look into? burn burn yeah (laughs) and you can make some really cool stuff if you're willing to be a little less efficient with your dual lands and try to get by with like some duels and some shocks or something uh maybe nick fit is another like semi budget option so i'd I'd look there no nick fit that's like just as expensive as as anything else no no i mean i know you're playing like Thrag Tusk and stuff. Nick Fit is where you take all your standard all-stars and put them in. (laughs) But you still need like a $2,000 bad base. I think you get get by because of Veteran Explorer. You need a lot of basics, so you don't play as many duels as uh, some decks. You could play Affinity. It's expensive, man. (laughs) No, it's not that much stuff. But it's just, if you're already playing Modern, you could pretty much play Legacy Affinity. Same thing with Infect. It it depends. Like if you, there's two schools of thought. Either you build a tier one deck that's subpar, or you build a tier two deck. So there's a bunch of cheap decks, like say Dredge, Oops, All Spells, uh, even like Belcher, Burn. But those decks don't, they don't feel legacy to me. Like yeah, you play them, but it's not kind of the same. But you can also go the other route. You can say build say Miracles or something, but just use Shocks. And yeah, your your deck is like five to ten percent worse, but it's probably still better than the tier two decks and you have something to kind of grow into uh maybe something like blue red burn blue red delver uh which can eventually be turned into a rug delver or sorry teamer delver or something but you can start you can start with like the budget cards and start with the shock lands and then slowly replace the shocks with duels and uh, you only really need like one duel each really and uh, kind of go there, and then just look sheepishly when you fetch for a shock land, and your opponent looks confused. But whatever, <laughs> <laughs> see if that two life actually matters. Because a lot of time that that two life doesn't actually matter. That's a, I think that's a great answer. Uh, next question from Jays for Junior: Should we buy into the Pierce Steel Paladin Cheerios hype, or is it a fad? Ah, too early to tell, but the deck is really sweet. Like it's definitely way better than it used to be. But I want to see. GP results or consistent moto results yep. before I'm willing to say it's a real like tier deck of some kind. It didn't make it to the top 16 of the modern classic this weekend. It did not. It did not. We don't know how I, many people played it, if at all, though. Yeah. Other yeah, that's true. I, I think it can be successful, and I do think we will see it in some capacity, but then you have to 
the, the question has to be asked, like, what what sets this apart from any other combo deck? Like, why wouldn't people just keep playing, like, Storm or Living End or whatever else? Because like, you get to dig into your bulk box and build, like, 90% of your deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it all is hype. Like, I'm not... I, I do think it can be successful, but I, I wouldn't be buying into it now because, I mean, everything is spiking. I, I would definitely wait. I think the reason to play it over other combo decks is I really think it's faster. Like, I think your two-earn, two-kill percentage is probably higher than any of the other combo decks. So I think that's the reason, whether or not that makes it a real deck, but that's, like, the competitive advantage for this deck is your best at killing it turn two. All right, next question from Quaylancer. What do you guys do with commons and uncommons after cracking a box? I have probably 150,000 that are in my closet. So that's what <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, that's where they go. They sit in a large, uh, those uh, white boxes, the, like the, I don't know how many, like 1,500 count or something like that, 2,500 count. And they just start amassing. And then at one point, I'll bulk them. Uh, secret tech I learned while uh, dealing with all this bulk. If you go to the post office, they will give you flat rate boxes for free. Yes. And yes. the medium flat rate boxes, the big like triangle book looking ones are the perfect size to put rows of cards. So you can just stack rows after rows of them in there. So that's a, uh, that's my technique. All right. Last question from shade of Hades chance of a money rare land cycle in any master set. So either fetches or filters. <sighs> I think we gotta get, we gotta start being close to get to like seventy five percent, like a really high percentage. I mean, what else do you reprint at this point? They have to give us something. I think shocks or or filter lands at a minimum. That won't break the bank, right? We've just never really seen a rare land cycle in these sets. I mean, I think you can do it financially. I don't think you can do fetches, the Zendikar fetches necessarily, but. I, we've just never seen them do that. They haven't wanted to do it. And I, I don't know if it's for limited, like they don't want the filler cards to bring down the limited format and the rare slot. So I don't know. I'm going to go a little less than 50% as far as this next modern masters. Yeah. I think it would be high on a, on a cycle of lands, like the filter lands where they can do like the allied versions and one, master set and then the next master set they do like the enemy one so they're not so many fillers in one in one uh set if you if that's if you get what i'm saying question though like what are the odds they just can print those in standard though if they wanted to i guess they could yeah but i mean at one point it almost feels like you kind of have to at one point yeah i don't i don't know i I think it's low i think it's like less than 25 percent. i don't think they want lands to be the the face cards of like their masters uh series because it feels bad even though you know it's worth something it's like just a land like and a planes kind of does the job right <laughs> like yeah no. the the other big lands. thing and this is probably the biggest reason in my opinion is uh, I don't think you can name a land cycle that is not reprintable in standard. When if you look at enchantments or planeswalkers or creatures or any other group of cards, there's a huge list of cards that are legal and modern that wizards just won't reprint in standard. So I think that they're likely to save rare land cycles because they're such an easy way to sell an otherwise lackluster set. That's true. Like I think they can do shock lands again in standard that probably would be okay. 
Shocklands. Yeah. How about my Zendikar fetches? Come on. No. I think that we'll get I would, Zendikar. I would, I've been waiting like I'd eight billion won. years to buy inverted catacombs. Like, when are they going to bring these stupid lands? <laughs> I would rather put those in a master set than back in a standard again. I it's think their fetches are horrible, man. I think they're fine if we don't have fetchable duels. I really... That's my take. I don't even... It. It's not even... It's not or, even the fact of the price. Like, I get it would be good and all that, but fetches is just a horrible... Like, it's so archaic now. And this is coming from someone that's played a long time. Like, watching them, it's it does not make good magic. I'm sorry. Like, and this is someone that actually enjoys having fetch and... It's just not good magic. But is it any worse than Evolving Wilds? Like, Evolving Wilds is a staple, right? You're still shuffling. You're still shuffling. Hmm. No deck plays Evolving Wilds now. They're like maybe a one of. All right, Tinfoil Hat. Wizards got rid of pile shuffling because they were going to be putting uh, fetches back in standard and they didn't want people pile shuffling throughout the whole game. Maybe, but there's still, even with, I mean, there's still too much stoppage in play. And, and people will still shuffle for like two regular shuffle for like two or three minutes. You know, we're pretty hard on Magic Online, but we've said this before. The ultimate thing about that is you crack a fetch and your deck gets shuffles in like two seconds. It is so awesome. Yeah. But then yeah, you I mean, get to complain that it's not really random and it's not shuffled correctly, Seth. Come <laughs> yeah. on. You I, gotta I, get I, on. I, <laughs> Conspiracy I swear game of Blameworth anymore. I swear to God, if you mulligan your opening hand and scry to the bottom, you always draw the same card that you scry to the bottom. <laughs> it's a bug. I, I really is. You don't believe me, but it's true. I'm not crazy. Trust me. It's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> their, their shuffling algorithm is just all messed up. Is is there a card that reveals the bottom card of your library? Ooh, uh, I wonder if we could actually uh, test this. No. Like, just straight up look at the, look at the cards so that you could actually see them. I don't think there is one that you get to look at the bottom. Hmm. Oh, uh, um, the goblin from Conspiracy. You put the bottom card under your deck I, or under your bottom card of your deck no, no, onto what, the battlefield, right? Grenzo, it? Grenzo. I think Ooh. no. I think it's from your graveyard to the bottom, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was something like that. Let me look it up. The original like some- yeah, Renzo the- says, "Pay two, put the bottom card of your library into your graveyard. Yeah, if it's a creature with power less, so that would work. Then you'd see your bottom card, right? All right, Seth, make a video. <laughs> show, show me, show me, because I, I I don't agree. Show me. It's not that All hard right. to mulligan to... and then Grenzo it out. I'm gonna have to prove it scientifically for science, obviously. For science. For science. For science. <laughs> and if it turns out that you're right, then you get the top Reddit post of the day. So it's a win-win. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you'll get Worth's job. Uh, I get that anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't right. think you want that job. That is all of our fish meal for this week. See? And we end on a positive note. See? It's always got to do the fish mail last because it puts everyone in a good mood. Great, great questions. Thanks for sending those in. Gentlemen, I think we talked about everything. Um, everyone should watch the Pro Tour. I, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's at least good watchable magic. Um, <laughs> you're yeah, you're so like checked out of the standard already, Chaz. <laughs> you're like, it'll be good magic. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. No, I it'll didn't be- check out. I'm staying hopeful. I stay hopeful for every Pro Tour. I just have it in the back of my mind not to get too... Uh, we'll fight on dates. Usually on day one, they'll show all the weird brews, even though right. they make up 1% of the room. But then by the time day two rolls around, they have no choice but to show the really... <laughs> What's left. Performant decks. <laughs> what is... What is- <laughs> cleared the way of all those 
bruise, sort of quote unquote, and we're left with what I, I, I would think is I don't even want to say it, but um it's the the thing I'm not looking forward to is the time again. It's it's not bad. It's not bad. They do limited. It's still first. pretty bad. It starts at four a.m. That means oh limited will be God. wrapping up right when I wake up and have my coffee, and I'll be ready to go for constructed. Richard, on right. the other hand, is pretty much done for. Oh yeah, one a.m. start time. You are. I watched the limited. You have to watch the limited. You cannot skip the <laughs> no. limited. Come on. I, I can't I, even I, see the cards anyway. I, but how I else like you to complain about glare and stuff if you don't watch it, man? Come on. <laughs> I like watching limited, but four. AM is that's a that's, that's a that's a little yeah I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> One AM straight into the Super Bowl. <laughs> Let's go. We got this. I, I will watch the uh the recaps of uh the, the limited thing. But uh yeah. Alright, so we will see everyone for the Pro Tour. Obviously Seth and I will be around and I hope I, I think maybe Richard will be dragging along. Uh, <laughs> I'll definitely be awake. So. Come on guys. Come on. Uh, fair. This is this is not our he, first pro tour. I have been up crazy hours true, true. doing pro tours yeah. for a long time. You now. will be uh you will be around but maybe not a uh, you'll be hanging on. So if we if we have coffee. copycat mirrors all the way through, then maybe I'll just then call it a, then, it's check out. But, uh, <laughs> then it's a checkout. <laughs> if it's black green versus black green versus if it's like this the Star City games then I'm I'm good. I'm checking out. Okay. Uh, we will do this again next week. Hopefully we have a great pro tour. We will still have a lot to talk about regardless. So this is the Goldfish Crew signing out. We will see you all next week.